wings now. My ballerina costume does. Granny? Who are you? No. Uh-uh. I don't remember. What? Hello, little one. <gasps> I am your friend. Welcome to the Kentucky Ghost Hunter Show. This is Dean, the Kentucky Ghost Hunter, and I'm always with my co-host, Kevin Quabbin. Say hi, Kevin. Hey, everybody. And tonight's guest, we're very, very happy to have Josh Hurd with us tonight. Not only is he a husband and father, as he says on his little Facebook page there, but he's also an author, a lecturer, a filmmaker, a musician, and he is the co-owner sorry, and tour guide of Malvern Manor. Hello, Josh. How you guys doing? Doing wonderful. Hey, tell us about Malvern Manor. I've, I've, I've heard of it, but I really don't know much about it. Tell us about it real quick. Dude, I tell you, it's a monstrosity of a building. It's like, it's, uh, I mean, it's about 10,000 square feet, and we know it was built uh, in the 1860s. Uh, its primary function towards the late 1800s was a hotel, and then it ran as a hotel all the way up till the 1950s. It became more of like what we would consider like a nursing home. And then in the 1970s, it kind of shifts gears a little bit and becomes kind of what I consider to be like a group home for mentally handicapped people. That's servicing any type of mental disorder you could imagine. Everything from, you know, things that we see every day, you know, people uh, with drug and alcohol addiction, people with uh, Down syndrome, uh, all the way to the opposite side of the coin where you have people with, you know, uh, DID or multiple personalities, as we used to call it, um, schizophrenics and murderers. I mean, it kind of runs the gamut of of mental uh, illness, you know. So, pretty interesting place. Now, we do know it did close uh, in 2005, and I mean, it was a laundry list of reasons why the place did close down. Obviously, like right at the top of that list is neglect and abuse, you know, things like that, which is kind of a common tale uh sadly but you know that's ultimately why it met its end i guess so are you remodeling it right now or is it still in uh, i mean what condition no. is it if somebody wanted to come visit so i will say that the you know you i always have people walk in through the back when they're there for like an overnight um the kitchen itself like we have a you know a refrigerator we have a microwave and we put in a furnace um, so there are a few of the rooms that are heated, 
But for the most part, the meat and potatoes of the place, the actual rooms themselves, the, the patient's rooms, I haven't touched a thing. They're exactly the way that I found them, uh, you know, since walking in the place. So I, I think it kind of adds a little more to the integrity of the place. Um, yeah, from an investigative standpoint, like it's important to me that people are experiencing uh, the building the same way I got to experience it, you know, and kind of discovering and things like that. Like the place is insane. So the most I've really done to the place is vacuum the floors to tell you the God honest truth. Um, and I don't do a very good job of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you sound like me when it comes to housekeeping, man. Yeah, dude. So, I, yeah. so you're saying you get a lot of orbs in there. <laughs> yeah, they, a lot of dust orbs. It's so funny. We had a group of people the other night, um, and we had a live, or we had a camera set up in the attic, and there was a, a group of people that walked up there. We had Steve Gonzalez from uh, Ghost Hunters that came over, and uh, we were doing an event with him at the manor. And so we had a group of people kind of watching what was going on up in the attic, and this group in the attic is obviously moving around. And the orbs are everywhere. You know, the, the dust is everywhere. Everybody's like, oh, my God, what's going on up there? And I'm like, yeah, I need to get up there with a vacuum and take care of some of them ghosts. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so how oh, many people man. have been out there from reality TV to, to actually investigate out there? Um, so we had, you know, the first, the first two that were out there um, were Nick and Katrina uh, from Paranormal Lockdown. We had them. Uh, do an episode out there. Um, and the only reason that they came out there was uh, my buddy, a good pal of mine is Johnny Hauser from the uh, Velisca Axe Murder House. And I had Johnny come over because, I mean, truth be told, guys, like when I first got the place, like I was kind of like a kid with a new toy, you know, and I just kind of wanted to show off a little bit to my buddies, I guess. And I was like, dude, you got to come over here and check this place out. And Johnny was in the what we call the nursing home wing of the building, which is the the newest section of the building. It was added on in the 50s. And he was bum-rushed by a very tall uh, shadow figure that moved faster than you can even think. Like, it's bizarre. But it scared him enough that he got right on the phone with Nick and said, you need to get your ass to Iowa, you know what I mean, <laughs> like right now. So it was complete dumb luck that that even happened in the first place. Um and then since then, you know, we've had uh, Dustin Perry and, and K.J. McCormick from uh, Ghost Hunters, and then we just had Steve Gonzalez out there as well. Um, but, yeah, every once in a while we have a, a pair of celebrity wants to do, like, an event or something, and we're uh, more than happy to accommodate for sure. So, so you, how – go ahead, Kevin, go ahead. When you bought this place, um, mm -hmm. or you, you acquired it, how did you come to acquiring it? And did you know it was already haunted? Was it like, was it already well, known in Iowa as a haunted location or was it something that you came across? And So, you know, um, one of my jobs obviously is a filmmaker. And so I was actually, I was filming my first documentary film and we were slated to be uh, filming at this place in Malvern, Iowa. That's called the classic cafe, which is a really cool little, uh, like a diner type thing. And so I, was all stoked and everything. We go in there with our cameras and I didn't realize that there was a bar that's attached to the classic cafe. So it was a Friday night in small town, Iowa. You know, we like to do it upright. So uh, <laughs> you can just imagine the noise contamination. Um, 
But I mean, an invest a formal investigation was absolutely out of the question. You know, there was just way too much going on. So I kind of go outside and I'm smoking what I call my angry cigarette, right? And I'm trying to come up with like a plan B. And there's another guy out there and he comes up to me and he was like, dude, what's up with the cameras? And I was like, oh, crap. You know, this is where I lose a lot of people, right? <laughs> like, he's either going to think this is really cool or he's going to think I'm a whack job. Um, but, you know, I was telling him what we were up to. He's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I have this building. It's kind of creepy. There's some weird things that happen every once in a while. And, you know, I mean, we've all heard that story before, right? I mean, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, but then he was telling me, you know, kind of the history, kind of what I went over with, uh, with you guys. And he was like, yeah, the place is just like, I mean, it's like 10,000 square feet. I'm like, where the hell is this place? You know, this sounds almost too good to be true. And he goes, oh, dude, it's just right there across the street. And I was like, holy crap. So he was nice enough to kind of save the day and let us into that building that night. Now, it's it's kind of odd looking back on it now because, like, the first 10 minutes of my first documentary film is quite literally us finding this building that we would then soon to call Malvern Manor, which is so weird in, in retrospect. Right. Um, but we experienced more in the first two hours of being inside of that building than we had in the last two years. Like it was hopping. Um, we were also, you know, the first team to really go in there and formally investigate. Um, so I think we really stirred some stuff up. Uh, I mean, not necessarily intentionally. I just don't think uh, the spirits or whatever were used to that, right? Um, well, I've always said that myself. I've always been a believer yeah. in less groups have been somewhere. The spirits are a little more curious. Like I hear people, I've been to Trans Allegheny a few times, and I know people mm -hmm. have been there after me, and they're all like, "We got nothing." I mean, yeah, and that place sure. is supposed to be crawling, and it's like, right. "We got nothing." <laughs> you know, and it's it's interesting because, and I've I've definitely. Um, had experiences like that as well i've also found that like the longer you spend uh in a place kind of the more uh familiar you get and they get with you um it seem to elicit more responses as well it's very interesting how this all works and obviously we don't have any answers right but i mean it's definitely interesting to uh to entertain those ideas i love it but yeah i mean i told uh his name was quincy the guy that owned the building and i told him i'm like dude, I don't think you realize what you have here. You know, I'm like, if you want to open the doors, I would gladly help you with this. Um, and that's what we did for like the first six months, seven months or so. People would book the place, and this was all word of mouth, you know, but people would come and they would spend a couple hundred dollars. I would take the cash, run it directly next door to Quincy, and that was that. I'm like, easiest $200 you ever made in your life, pal. You know what I mean? I'd give the tours, all this stuff. <laughs> and then he calls me one day, and he's like, dude, I got a job offer. I got to leave. I'm selling my house. I'm selling the manor. You know, I'm going to, I'm bouncing. I was like, good God. Like, you know, my sales deflated, right? Um, and I was like, dude, just give me three weeks. <laughs> so he was nice enough to uh, oblige with that. But I was also lucky enough to find some like-minded people who wanted to go into this venture with me, you know? Um, and so thank God we were able to, you know, keep the doors open. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's basically kind of like the weird story of how I got the place. I mean, I, I've completely stopped believing in coincidence, to tell you the God honest truth. Like it's kind of weird how everything seemed to just kind of fall into place.
Um, and I'm not a very fortunate guy. Like I'm not a very lucky guy, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of weird <laughs> how that, uh, how that worked out. Well, now you've got to tell us, cause everybody's going to be asking what, tell us some good ghost stories from the place or some experiences that you've, you've had there and other people have had. So one of my biggest things, right. Is, um, you know, historical fact and trying to correlate that with, um, evidence acquired. So, when we first started to investigate, there was the exact same type of scenario that happened to, to Hauser. So I'm back there in the nursing home wing, and we are bum-rushed by a very tall, black, humanoid figure that is traveling the distance of about 30 to 40 feet in less than a second. Like, it's moving that fast, which is ridiculous to even fathom. So naturally, our reaction is to, you know, duck cover, scream, wetter pants, whatever. <laughs> like, it's, it is ridiculous because the second you react or flinch or whatever, like the phenomenon is passed. It's done and over with. Nobody's getting hit or punched or scratched or any of that. So almost suggesting something residual in nature. Now, this kept happening. And, it, you know, obviously, whenever it happens to me, I keep my mouth shut because I want to see if it happens to anybody else and then maybe correlate data later. Um, but this was happening to different teams over and over and over again. Um, and it wasn't until the day after Paranormal Lockdown aired, uh, because that little section of hallway got a lot of airtime that night. But I got a phone call from one of the nurses that used to work there, and I've kind of befriended a few of them, you know. Um, but she says, Josh, you're never going to believe this crap. And I'm like, okay. And she says, the gentleman that occupied room number two at the end of the hallway, which is also coincidentally where this shadow man is originating from. She goes, the gentleman that occupied that room, number one, he was six foot seven. He was nonverbal, so he wouldn't speak, but he was also mentally deranged as hell. And I mean, he had killed a few people in the past. I mean, here's a gentleman who couldn't really verbally express his emotions you know, let alone process the emotions. He was just acting upon them as he saw fit. So, I mean, I guess in a way I kind of feel sorry for the guy, right? But his claim to fame while he was there was whenever they were doing, like, bed checks and rounds, which is, I mean, I can only assume probably hourly, but he would come out of that room and he would chase who was ever doing the documenting. Now, I'm like, to me that's fascinating because... We're seeing similar behaviors with the shadow man, right? Um, so I, I don't know. I, she may have answered like a thousand different questions that we have as to what the antecedent of this haunting would be. Um, now, obviously, we're always left with like a thousand more questions, but that's, that's one of my favorites for sure. You know, I love talking about like the shadow man and all that fun stuff because, yeah, that's the one that is the one thing that will send people, you know, running out the front door. Um, you know, you book a night with us at, at Malvern Manor. You show up at like 3 or 4 in the afternoon, and you have the place until noon the next day. So, I mean, we try to give you enough time to really cover that space, but we've had overnight groups stay as little as 30 minutes. Before I was like, I'm barely in my driveway at home, and they're calling me, dude, we're out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, that's nice you give them that time because – that you know, we most of the things I do are you know private residences and like mansions. Yeah. We don't do a lot of uh, the public places. Our team right. just because a cost, but b I just yeah. find I like to do places nobody else does. But sure. 
it's nice though when somebody allows you that time frame because there's nothing worse than going like I, mean, I hate to bring up Trans Allegheny again, but you go in there at eleven o'clock at night and you can only stay till four or five. It doesn't give you a whole lot of time to cover a building. Sure. I mean, before well, you know it, your time's up, you're going home. Right. And it's like Well, and that's just it. I mean, two hours of that's gonna be set up and tear down, you know. Right. I mean, you gotta get everything set and working properly and all that fun stuff. So I mean, yeah, we try to like I mean, it's, you know, it's good for the town, too. Let them get out and go check out some of the diners or whatever they want to do. They can grab a bite, do whatever. But, yeah, what we're hoping to do is get uh, – we have a trailer that's in the back. And the trailer actually used to belong to one of the former owners of the building. Like, she loved the place so much that she put her home, like, just a few feet away, um, which is <laughs> pretty impressive. But – you know, there it is, and there it sits, and it's doing nothing, you know, but we're still paying taxes on the damn thing, so, like, uh, we should probably use it, you know, put it to use, so we want to put some uh, some beds in there, and a shower, and all that stuff, to give people the opportunity to, to sleep, if they want to sleep, too, so, hopefully we can make that happen this year. Well, what kind of, now, I know you're a filmmaker, too, there, Josh, mm-hmm. but uh, that means you're experiencing the camera and all that good stuff, but uh, the evidence you guys have collected there, now, I didn't get to see uh, Nick and when he was there, or sure. uh, basically a lot of other stuff, but I know that you've collected some good evidence. What kind of evidence do you have uh, if a skeptic would come up to you and say, hey, show me what you've got? Do you have stuff? Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of tricky, right? Like the skeptic or the cynic or whatever, they're always going to be able to disprove. Yeah, they never believe anything you say. I know, man. And it's, it's rough, right? Like there's never the definitive piece of evidence, which really sucks. Now I will say this. um, We have got some fairly interesting, you know, EVPs that seem fairly relevant, excuse me. Um, You know, question, answer, question, answer. But we also have like, so in the main lobby of the room or of the, of the place, it's still the original wood floor that it was in the 1860s. So back when it was a hotel. So, I mean, this room is like my favorite uh, because it's seen the most history, you know, like weddings have been held in that room and funerals have been held in that room. Like, it's just amazing. Um, But we do have a wheelchair that sits in that room as well. And it's interesting because the wheelchair will move throughout the room. Now the wheelchair is, busted all the hell. Um, I mean, it's literally falling apart. The wheels are flat on it. Um, there's no, really no reason it should be moving around, um, especially with the slant of the floor. Um, because it's the way the, the room kind of slants, it's also working itself against gravity, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Um, so an inanimate object moving around is kind of a tough pill for me to swallow, right? So seeing it for yourself is quite amazing. Now, I will say that this wheelchair, we do know, again, like another one of the first things that I did was we had the original nursing staff, like meet me at the building and walk me through, just walk me down memory lane, you know, and I did find out that that the wheelchair that sits in that room belonged to a gentleman named Harry Wallace, um, which I've definitely done some more digging up on on Harry. Um, But it's interesting because that room was his favorite room. And if it was nice outside, he wanted to be sitting out on the front porch, which is just through the front door there. Um, and he no agenda whatsoever, just watching the world go by. But he was also a nonverbal patient. Um, but he always had a radio. And this little radio was always pressed up right up next to his ear. And he would whistle and hum 
along with the tunes on the radio. And it's quite interesting that his wheelchair would be sitting in that room still, moving around. And then with the movement of the wheelchair, you also get this disembodied whistling and humming. Now, we've caught this on video numerous times. Um, this was funny. We had I, This was about probably six or seven months ago now. I know it was still kind of warm out. Um, we had a group of people, maybe ten, and I was just giving them a day tour. And I just got done telling that story of Harry. And we were leaving that room. And as we were walking out of that room, that wheelchair started to follow us. Well, there's another front door that we use for tours and stuff right there. And they saw the wheelchair basically coming at them. And they just oh. continued right on out the door. Like their tour only lasted about five minutes. It was kind of hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the tour was over. They, they didn't want to stay there too long, did they? No, it was amazing, man. It was so great. <laughs> Does that happen a lot when people visit? Yes. And that's another thing. Like, I mean, the one thing that I will say about the manor is it's so, I don't even know how, it's it's more psychological than anything. It's going to play cat and mouse with you. It's going to make you feel foggy. It's going to make you feel like you are losing your mind. It's basically going to make you feel the exact same way they felt if that makes sense. Well, um, it, it does because I've heard that same story. Somebody told us the exact same thing. Um, was that at Edinburgh, Kevin? They, that was the story oh, where they, they said about the Edinburgh Manor there in Iowa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So place, we, me and Kevin went up there, and we, we were there a yeah. little bit, and we, we did some other stuff too. But I've noticed that Iowa, and it wasn't just in Edinburgh, but there was another place we went to, and uh, we basically talked to them too. And, and it might just be the Iowa area. I don't know, but everybody had the same comment that you're making right now. And it's the first time I've ever heard it like that. But uh, is there something special about Iowa we should know about? Dude, I don't know. I will say this. Um, as far as <laughs> Iowa, like doing research on Iowa itself, like I will say um, – there's some very odd things topographically that kind of go on. Now, I'm, I'm not saying like necessarily like ley lines or anything like that, but glacial rifts and things like that that have moved through the area that could have possibly or potentially dropped certain sediment. Um, it is very interesting, like how that all works, and it's uh, it definitely connects like Malvern, Villisca, and Maryville, Missouri, which is where I also filmed that first documentary film, which is quite interesting. Um, how everything seems to kind of connect like that. But yeah, there's something jacked, man, about Iowa anyway. Like, we're, we're just kind of a strange folk over here. Farmers. <laughs> the farmers. Yeah, the yeah, farmers. Farmers. Yeah, that's farmers. what it is, dude. <laughs> now, is there, a, is there a, uh, and I guess, because I heard this too at a couple places when we were up in Iowa, that a lot of Indian uh, events up there, is there, was there not? Or? Yes. Absolutely. Um, and one thing, especially around like our area of Iowa, um, and I can't speak much about the, uh, the rest of them, but I do know like the, the Potawatomi Indians or the Potawatomi tribe um, specifically, they were uh, very prevalent in our area, but they are also known for their shallow graves, which is kind of jacked um, when you start thinking about development and, and all of that and how many buildings are sitting probably right directly smack on top of, you know, of a burial mound and things like that. It's kind of odd, you know? But, yeah, there's a lot of Indian stuff going on. But did uh, did your manor have anything to do? I know it was a hospital at one time. Is that right? 
Um, it wasn't necessarily like a hospital, but it was more of like the nursing home type setting. So they couldn't okay. really do many uh, procedures or anything like that. Well, is there any hit? Because I know there used to be a plague in, that hit Iowa pretty hard one time. Uh, did the manor have anything to do as far as uh, taking people in at that point, or do you know? That I don't know. Um, all I do know is it was kind of like, what I do know is it was the fourth structure that was constructed in town, and it, its primary function when it was built was just a hotel for the railroad. So quite literally, you know, the town kind of sprung up around that place. Um, and it was pretty cool, you know? like, And it just kind of makes you, I don't know, it makes you think, like, if we weren't able to do what we have done with it so far, like, it'd probably be a freaking parking lot by now, honestly. Um, yeah, I think it's more of an eyesore than anything, but, but yeah, so it's kind of cool. Does the, does the town support it as far as a haunted house is concerned, or is it like, oh, Dude, no, I'll stay you, away? You know, I, I tell you, like, I have, yeah, the town has been very supportive. Um, at first, I didn't know what to expect, you know, small town Iowa, like, what the hell? And yeah, sure, like, the first few months out of the gate, we were getting some pretty odd looks. You know, and things like that. Um, you know, I think once, you know, once, like, uh, we did paranormal lockdown and all that, and they could see what we were about. Like, they could hear the history. They could see that I'm more interested in preserving the history and telling these stories um, specifically of these people than anything else, you know? Um I think that really set their minds at ease, like, oh, that's not just a bunch of freaks over there, <laughs> like, doing witchcraft or what have you, you know, because um, I'm sure that's what they thought initially. So I think a lot but, of small towns, when you first start something like that, that's a, I've actually been removed from a radio station before because the, the message they thought was, you know, satanic or whatever it is you want to call it. But Dude. so you don't have that trouble with people there. They don't, they don't, uh, no, like, and it's so cool, like how supportive they really are. And it's like, and we try to support them as much as possible. Like even in the kitchen of the manor, like I have, uh, the dinner menus for all the restaurants in town, just kind of sitting around, you know? So if people want to go out and grab a bite, they can know what they're getting themselves into before they even walk in the door. They can call ahead or whatever. Um, so, I mean, we try to support as much as possible with local business and all that. And I know they do the same for us, which is awesome. So, Josh, I got a question for you. I want to back up a little bit. Is there mm -hmm. anybody who's actually, I can't remember if you said it or not, but I don't think you did, but is there anybody who actually has caught that wheelchair on video moving towards them? Yeah, we've caught this uh, many times. Before, we actually had a camera set up in there that was live streaming to, like, YouTube um, at all hours of the day. Um and it was captured on there numerous times, <clears throat> and we've had uh, different, uh, I guess, I forget what they're called, but I mean, it's just the, the regular Wi-Fi type cameras or whatever that you can log into on a cell phone or a, a laptop or whatever. And we've captured this numerous times. Um, I'd like to see it. That's fairly a lot interesting. Different. I don't get to see things yeah. move very often when I'm places. It seems like when I'm somewhere, I've only had it happen yeah. once, but I don't ever see anything move, so... Well, Kevin, yeah, you get to you. see me move when we find a ghost. I move really quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. I tell you, there's so much stuff that does have, like, I've been uh, sitting in, in, our, in our office area, you know, and just, you know, doing the last of the, of the books for the day or doing whatever, 
and it sounds like the place is getting ransacked, you know, to the point where you swear to God that somebody broke in this house, like somebody's tearing this place apart. And we've captured this, like these noises and stuff like that on camera as well. I've had the cops come over numerous times. And it's like you have to go through the building room by room. You know, well, it's it's 10,000 square feet. There's 28 rooms. There's 18 bathrooms. You know, it takes a while. And you're looking under every bed and behind every door and in the closets. It's freaking terrifying because you're just expecting somebody to pop out at you. Um, and there's never anybody there. Again, it's just, it's head donking you for, from start to finish. It really is. Um, it's just uh, amazing. That, <clears throat> Josh, I have a question for you. If you had people yeah. come in there, how, do you monitor since you run the place to make sure nobody's bringing things in that shouldn't be bringing in there, or conjuring up um, things maybe they shouldn't conjure? You know, for the most part, what I do is I, I kind of, I don't know. Like, I guess I kind of have a different viewpoint on some of this stuff, right? So mm-hmm. I know that nobody has ever really told me, you know, the right or wrong way to investigate or anything like that. And I respect that, and that's fine. And so I always just say, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. And hopefully within reason, um, they conduct an investigation of some sort. They're not just coming in there. And, you know, doing drugs and, and doing all that crap. But no, I don't. Like, I don't monitor uh, anything. We don't really have a necessary set of rules. What I do say is, or what I do have people do is sign a waiver um, that basically, you know, clears us and clears the building and the business itself from any, um, uh, you know, harm right. or, you know, whatever. Three. Um, the reason I was yeah. asking that is I know there are certain places, and I won't get into details on which ones, sure. but I know there are certain places that there's things there that are not mm-hmm. from that building originally, sure. that they've been manifested there, and they wreak yeah. havoc on things. And that's why yep. I asked that question. Dude, and it's, it's very interesting that you say that, because, I mean, just even over the last two or three months, I've been having plenty of conversations um, with just friends. And people that help me out at the manor, too, because they're like, God, man, doesn't it feel different here lately? I'm like, yeah, it does. And they're like, you know, we've never smelled sulfur before. Why are we smelling sulfur now? You know, we haven't done this before. Why are people getting scratched now? Why is this happening now? And all that. I mean, it's super weird. But I would totally agree. Yeah, something's like, I don't know, call it paranormal baggage. I don't know. That maybe it's <laughs> to rise with somebody else or somebody was doing something that they probably weren't supposed to be doing you right. know, and dicking around with something that they probably shouldn't or probably didn't know exactly what they were doing. Not that you might um, be wreaking havoc on your other, you know, exactly, spirits there bro. that are exactly. even like the six foot seven guy, you know, he could be getting yep. picked on now because by something that's just malevolent or and from I a different dimension you, or whatever. I don't know. I mean, different portal or something. Sure. And I tell you what's super strange too is, some of the EVPs and things that we have been capturing now, especially lately, is you will like ask a general battery of questions or what have you, and some of the responses that you get will be from, like, say, um, Susie from upstairs. Now, Susie, um, she was a middle-aged patient, but mentally she was probably closer to about eight or nine. You know, so um, very childlike in nature. But you will hear this sweet woman trying to answer you you're asking hey Susie, what's your favorite color 
you know, because she has a lot of coloring books and things like that that we found in the house. And, you know, you'll hear her try to answer you, and then you'll hear a very gruff, nasty voice shutting her up, you know, saying, like, shut up, or something very off-color, you know. Um, but regardless, um, it, it kind of makes you wonder what that is, what's going on with that, right? Um, so does that ever concern who, you, being in the building all the time? Does that ever concern oh, you that God. something could bother you now? <laughs> Before it was just brother. the human spirits in there, you know, walking around right. and roaming the halls. And exactly. you know, now you may have something that's not uh, human walking the right. halls. Right. And it's super jacked, man. Um, but I would suggest that, yeah, there are times that um, I would absolutely suggest that I would feel the presence of something that's unlike anything else. You know what I mean? Unlike uh, certainly anything else that we had even six, seven months ago, you know, just kind of weird. Um, and again, like, I mean, there were so many weird things. Like, for example, we had, we had all these groups talking about this. Uh, they're like, well, we ran into a spirit down in the nursing home wing and he was calling himself Jeff. And it was interesting because every team seemed to ask the same battery of questions or something and that you know basically they were always like oh jeff did you live here did you die here whatever were you a patient here and jeff always answered the same thing and he would say no i'm new here i'm like well how does that work and so it was interesting because we uh we were doing a thing uh around christmas time and i had a psychic medium lady come with us now um I never want to give a psychic medium, you know, any, any, uh, influence or anything like that. So I just let her do her thing and I'm just going to kind of like, you know, commit it to memory or write it down or whatever. And she goes, so we have somebody else that's kind of walking around with us, but he keeps like peeking in and out of doors. He's kind of keeping his distance. And she goes, you can come out. She's like, man, what's your name? She goes, well, he says his name's Jeff. I'm like, now this was interesting to me. So I still kept my mouth shut, but I was like, I didn't tell her that, like, literally three other teams just in the past two weeks had got the same guy, you know. And it's, he said, well, what's Jeff's story? And she goes, well, Jeff says he's new here. And I'm like, she's saying literally <laughs> verbatim, like verbatim what these other people have said, too. I'm like, this is knocking my socks off. But I'm like, now how the hell does that work? Like, are, are spirits that transient? They can just kind of, you know, go wherever they want to go. Or if he's mental, or he's mental, he's just messing around and saying, exactly, dude, yes. <laughs> like, or is he just scurling around with us, right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of amazing. So, I'm Josh, did, they, did like, you let them use them Ouija boards and all that in, in your place? Yeah. I mean, if they if they want to use uh, a Ouija board, um, I you know, I I really don't have a a big problem with that. I've I've personally done it. Inside there, I, I could say twice. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the Ouija board, um, and it's nothing that, you know, um, spiritual or anything like that. I just, you know, it's kind of slow, and I don't like to spell and things like that. So like, I'd rather uh, I'd rather do an EVP session or something of that sort. But uh, I don't I don't know. Like I I don't really see much of a difference between using a board and a planchette as using a yes and no. Uh, questions with like a k2 meter i think it's all about you know what you're putting into it what you want to get out of it 
and and kind of your intention behind it all, really. You know, I just, I don't know. I've never really bought into the stigma, I guess, of a Ouija board. Um, I I just know that a lot of other places have, they have uh, waivers and stuff. They make people sign saying you won't use them. It's just kind of intriguing that it's okay to use it where you are. I guess just because of the industry that a lot of people don't like that. And there are, there are a lot of people that will, yeah, they do not like anything to do with the Ouija board. And I respect that. And I, I understand that. Um, I'm just not one of those people, I guess, you know, it takes a little more, I guess it takes a little more for me to, uh, I don't know, to freak me out, I guess. So if something were like, to happen. Now, Josh, I, I got, like, I got oh, a theory on Ouija boards. Yeah. Josh, and this is the reason I don't like Ouija boards. Yeah. And I've had people try to tell me it's no different than a spirit box. But to me, sure. it's a completely 180 degree difference. When you're doing okay. a Ouija board and you put your hands on that planchet, you're asking yeah. that spirit to use your energy. Use my energy to move this planchet on the board. Yeah, and- physically manipulate Where, your body you, right you, you're asking that spirit to use your energy which you never want to give anybody your energy right not, not another human being not another spirit nothing and then you know if you use a spirit box that thing sits on the floor right. yeah it, you can use that energy off the spirit box i don't care that's not my energy <laughs> that's because a battery feet away yeah absolutely no that makes total sense brother that absolutely makes sense so that's, that's why absolutely. i'm kind of a i don't i don't mess with them i don't even deal with no. them no, I totally respect that. Absolutely. Now, Josh, tell me some stuff here because I, we've only got like twenty minutes left, and I, and I want to sure. get into your filmmaking. But you know, the stuff you've done filmmaking. Now, have you done? You've done documentaries of other places. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I've done. Good God, I think twelve or thirteen different documentaries now. Um, but yeah, so the the main series that I do, um, as far as the documentary films is a brush with evil is what it's called and the a brush with evil series was more or less like i had written a book that was called <laughs> when ghost hunting goes wrong <laughs> a brush with evil and so we just took the uh the subtitle of that made it the title of the film and kind of retold the book right um and that's when we ended up finding like malvern manor and all of that fun stuff and so um a brush with evil too is more of like a psychological thing. We used Malvern Manor uh, for A Brush with Evil 2, and it was a series of experiments, um, and this was all kind of my wife's brainchild, but it was more or less like sensory deprivation and isolation sessions on top of that. It was kind of funny. So my wife is a combat vet uh, for the U.S. Army, and she uh, has obviously spent some time in Iraq, uh, but she did combat stress. So she really knows how to uh, get inside of somebody's head and exploit it, <laughs> right? So um, she would ask us a very simple battery of questions, and she would pull us aside one by one and ask us, you know, as an investigator, what do you use the most as far as your senses go, right? Your sense of sight, sound, what do you use the most? And whatever answer you gave her, she was going to take away from you in the next session that we didn't even realize was going to happen, but you were going to be put in a room in Malvern Manor completely alone. And that sense or senses were going to be taken away from you. It was a super trippy set of experiment, uh, experiments. That's for sure. Um, and then a brush with evil three, which is the final film 
of the whole series comes out next month at the end of March. And it's more kind of exploring the idea of group, uh, group dynamic. So like owning the manor, I notice a lot of different trends and I see why is it that some people are coming into the manor and they're having some of the most profound experiences they've ever had. And other teams are coming in here and they're not getting nothing. They're, they're getting nothing. Um, I'm like, so what is it about that? I'm like, why is it that I can go grocery shopping with my wife and we can go up and down the aisles and everything's fine. But if I'm in the same store with this group of dudes, crap's flying off the shelf. Why does that happen? You know? Um, so I said, I think there's something to this idea. And so what I wanted to do was explore group dynamic a little more. So I took our teams and I split us in half. And half of us were going to be investigating Malvern Manor, while the other half was going to be investigating uh, the Sally House in Atchison, Kansas. Have you guys uh, been to that place? I haven't. I haven't no. either. Huh? Pretty cool little place. Um, highly active. Um, but there's still 150 miles difference between these two locations. So the idea then was to actively try to elicit a response from the other location. And interestingly enough, like it worked, like I can't wait to put out this documentary because in this 90 minutes, like people are going to witness probably more paranormal activity than you've seen in a, in a single setting than, than ever in the investigation itself only lasted three hours, just a three hour long investigation. And that's it. I want to ask you something real quick and we'll go back to it because you, you just said something. You were in one yeah. location and the other group was in Kansas, but you were actually communicating back and forth to the spirits in Kansas. Is that what you were just, am I understanding that, correctly? Correct. So I was actually in the group in Kansas. Yeah. And then, uh, my other buddies were here in, in Malvern, uh, doing that thing. Super weird. So they were trying to get stuff to happen to us and we were trying to get stuff to happen to them. And, so what we ended up doing was like a split screen type of uh, presentation here, you know, with film um, of what's actually going on and like the timestamp of everything. It's really, really cool. But yeah, super cool experiment. Now, I've actually heard of somebody else doing that and they had the same exact experience you really? had. So what, what, yeah, yeah. And actually, um, well, I guess I could say it, it was actually uh, uh, Zach Bagans and them did it one time. And I don't know. I can't remember the young lady's name that helped them do that. But she was the one that's that so was cool actually uh, she was killed by her husband a couple of years ago. Um, oh, Debbie. They, yeah, that's who it was. But she helped yeah. them with that experiment. And they had the same exact. They were one place and Gabby and them was another place. And they actually mm -hmm. had the same experience that you're talking about. So that's kind of neat that that's kind of wow. validated from your end, too, that yeah. – uh, yeah, I mean that's how do you think that happens? Because I mean that's a pretty long and they were across country when they did it, and you were you were pretty much almost yeah, the we same thing. But what do you think about it? I mean, how, what's your opinion on it? You know, it's super weird too because in the basement itself, like of the Sally House, there is this part of the floor that's been blacked out, and it's where this witch supposedly used to sit, and um, there was like a pentagram or something drawn on the floor, and this is where she would practice um, witchcraft or what have you. But she, you know. I start talking in the film and I was like, you know, think of like the energy. I'm like, I'm sitting right here in front of this, where this sat. 
I'm like, so I'm sitting exactly where she used to sit. Think of the energy and the emotions and, and the, the incantations and the prayers or whatever it was that she was doing. I'm like, think of that. And then instantaneously we were hit with this overwhelming smell of I, sulfur. I mean, it, you know, it was horrible, like rancid. And the exact same moment, the exact same moment, because it's all time stamped, you know, we have my guys over in Malvern having the exact same experiences. We're chasing a smell and it smells like sulfur, rotten eggs, decay, crap. I mean, it just is the most vile thing you could imagine. And I don't know exactly what it was that would elicit a response like that, but we definitely kind of stirred the beehives, so to speak, that night. That's for sure. What um, would you think about I, portals? Do you think a port? I mean, portal from one place to the other? Maybe you were dealing with this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of you know what I start to allude to. Yeah, is maybe maybe it's the location, and maybe with a certain dynamic of people that could be like the conduit, right? The, the uh, perfect amount of energy or what have you that would be able to get a response like that. Um, but that man, that wigged me out like bigger than bigger than life. That was nuts to me. Um, you, you know, it would be neat with your contacts and maybe do mm-hmm. something, uh, find a team in Europe, have them do it at the same time you're doing it here in the United States and see if That's it works still. Hell of an idea, bro. Hell of an idea. Like, yeah, instead of doing 150 miles, like, yeah, go across the dang ocean, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know some people in Australia and UK would love to join you in that oh, experiment. man, that would be so cool. That would be so cool. The only trouble is you have to invite me and Kevin over when you do it because we want to be part of it, too. Dude, I'd be all about that, yeah. Anytime you guys want to cruise over to the manor, I'm, you're, you're always welcome. Absolutely. It would be super cool. Now, how do we find your films? Because I, 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 are they on like Netflix or something? Or is there somewhere we could find them and watch these films? I wish I had the Netflix <laughs> dollars. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> so. Um, well, I'm going to tell you something. I've seen some of the shows they put on Netflix, and I believe you could probably be a top-ranked show when it comes to paranormal stuff on Netflix. Because I've, I've seen that. some of those reality shows that weren't quite very good. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. No, uh, so right now, um, Nick Groff and Elizabeth Saint started this really cool network called Viddy Space. And Viddy Space is just kind of the, the home for all of these different spaces. You know, uh, you have like the haunted space, you have the cryptid space, the UFO space, you know, the documentary space, the podcast space, whatever you're into, really, you know, the music space. Um, and it's so, I mean, that's become like my new home for these films um, that I've done like the Brush with Evil series. Um, I've done a couple other things called like uh, Interconnected is another film I did. Patience was another one that I did. Um, just really cool films that'll make you think a little bit like outside the box, right? Or maybe present an idea in a different way. Um, just trying to progress the field uh, a little bit farther. But, you know, like Nick and Elizabeth have been like such a blessing uh be able to present this type of stuff you know to the masses like that so it's been super cool but that's where you can find it now that's for sure 
So I'm going to have to ask you something because we, we've had this question a lot of times sure. on different programs and a lot of people that have been associated with other things besides, you know, Nick and stuff have, have made comments about this. Not not the entertainers themselves, but the people that own the, the haunted houses and so forth and so on. Yeah, I mean, get, Give me your opinion on reality ghost hunting because you get, we get yeah. a lot of people out there that are beginners. And they watch sure. something that's on a reality TV show, and automatically they're experts. And oh, you're you are one hundred percent. You know what I'm talking about. You're one hundred percent in the mix with it. You know Nick. You've been on the. Sh- you know you've he's been to your place. What yeah. would you say to somebody that's is basing their experience or, or their training on on uh, our television program compared to real life paranormal research? Dude, no, no, it's it's night and day. It really is. Like you're taking you know, a four-day, five-day, six-day, in some cases, you know, investigation. You know, all it takes for these guys to put on the same damn shirt they wore last night. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're they're investigating these places, and they're doing a damn fine job. But it's over the course of days. It's not over the, just the course of an evening or whatever. Um, and so I, I've had people call me, and they're like, you know, hey, could you come and check out my house? And, you know, how is this going to work? And I tell them, oh, we'll probably be there for at least, what, eight hours or so? They're like, oh, well, we thought this was going to be like TV where you guys would just be around for maybe an hour or so and then show us the cool stuff you got. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. Like, uh, you're, no. You're, thank you. You're, you're proving like my point. Keep going. Right. I'm like, no, it's it's not like that at all, guys. I'm like, you know, there's there's production in that you know there's people sitting behind computer desks and editing software for for days putting together these episodes you know um, <laughs> there's a lot of thought that goes into that stuff um but yeah it's it's absolutely night and day that is for sure so what would you say to some because there's a lot of people out there now and you've been in the paranormal world you know this yourself there's a lot of people out there that are putting stuff on youtube they're trying to get their own shows they're going through oh, the yeah, hoops. Dude. I mean, yeah. you know, there's so many. You can hit YouTube. There's like thousands of them now. Everybody yeah. wants their own show. Uh, I know. You've experienced it. What would you? What, I mean, if somebody does want their their own show, because me and Kevin, we've actually were approached to do a show, and we we were told we weren't hip enough. So I guess okay. we're old, and we just don't do it right. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're too old and not hip. Oh, so, but what man. would you tell these young guys that are, that are trying to do their thing? What's the best way to break into something like that? Since you've got experience and you dealt with it before. I would say, like, number one, it's always, you know, great to to have dreams and goals and aspirations and things like that. So, hell yeah, dude, swing for the fence. You know, that's great. Um, you know, I would also say, like, maybe caution yourself a little bit, too, um, because, you know, I've got a lot of buddies that have tried uh, to pitch a show. And they've shot, you know, seasons worth of, of stuff. And they've submitted it. And it's a really cool idea, you know, and a really cool concept for a show. And the network will like it, not offer that group a show. But then in six months, you're going to see your concept and your ideas on another show with other people doing your stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, just be cautious about, you know, who you're presenting this to and all of that stuff. Like, it it really is. Like, at the end of the day, you know, I, I guess show business is the business right it's it's kind of cutthroat you know and all of that and i mean i think people will step right over you if they can so just be cautious about it you know 
Now I'm going to give you the last word. What what, what advice would you give to somebody that's uh, thinking about doing paranormal investing? Besides what we've already told them, but what kind of advice would you give as far as a you know what, how to start? What equipment you would suggest they use and all that good stuff? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, uh, the first thing, like I would always suggest, is just like read everything that you can. Like um, go back to like the 1960s and 1970s parapsychological research studies that they were doing and things like that. Look at some of the uh, studies they were doing at the Pear Institute at Princeton University, you know, things of that nature. Um, read up on, like, Hans Holzer and Ed and Lorraine Warren and all these people, you know, that came before us and kind of paved the way for us and and really take, like, maybe their ideas and maybe put a new twist on it or whatever. Um, yeah, I would just say read your ass off <laughs> and, um, you know, really do some, uh, some good research there. Um and just, you know, be as knowledgeable as you possibly can on, on different aspects of the paranormal, for sure, whether that's, you know, cryptids or, or ufology or, or ghosts and hauntings and poltergeists and demons and all that shit um, or stuff. Sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, we're Internet. We're okay. Okay, perfect. Okay. <laughs> but still. We're not, we don't have a uh, delay here, so we don't get any beeps. <laughs> like, oh, man, I did it. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I would say. Just, you know education for sure but hey i gotta ask you a personal question here because I, you know okay. if i'm thinking of buying a new camera here and you're you're a filmmaker what would you suggest that the because you always see you know on tv you see these well they have these mounted cameras that cost eighty two thousand dollars to use yeah, we can't bro. afford that so Good, as a filmmaker you. what would you suggest for somebody to use as far as the camera is concerned you know as far as like a really good handheld 4k in the dark, you know, infrared type camera. Like Sony Handycam, I think makes some of the best products out there. Like Sony has some great handheld devices that have a really good IR throw on them, and you can always mount up a another uh, IR spotlight on there as well. Um, but those those used to be like my absolute like go to, like for sure. And now everything's going like everything's moving like the 4k and all that stuff. So I got to like basically sell all my old equipment and just reinvest now, which really, really sucks because it's going to hurt, man. It's going to hurt. There's always Craigslist, man. Just put old ghost equipment for sale. Cheap. Yeah, there you go, bro. There you go. Hey, tell everybody how to get, is there anything upcoming at the manor and tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they want to visit the manor and, and have an investigation. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so all my stuff, if you guys go to, like, joshherd.net, that's pretty much a one-stop shop for my books, uh, my films. Uh, do a couple podcasts as well. Um, if you go to themalvernmanor.com, um, that's a place where you can connect with us, um, you know, at the manor. Um, you can look at our calendar. You can click there and request a date. Um, that emails me directly, um, and we get you on the calendar and get you going and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, you know, I'm just kind of all over the place, really. But yeah, joshherd.net is pretty much the one-stop shop for for everything. It'll get you to Viddy Space. It'll get you to Malvern Manor. It'll get you all that fun stuff. Excellent. Hey, Josh, I appreciate you being on the show today, buddy. Yeah, thank yeah thanks you so much. much for having me, guys. No problem, and, and uh, hey, we're going to come out and visit you one day, and hopefully we'll get to have, have you give us a tour of the manor. Heck yeah, guys, anytime. That'd be great. 
I appreciate it. Hey, listen, to folks, this is the Kentucky Ghost Hunter. If you want to visit our website, KentuckyGhostHunter.com, to find out uh, information about us, we're also on Facebook. You can find our page at the Kentucky, what is it, Kentucky, Kentucky Ghost Hunter Group, and there's Kentucky Ghost Hunter Show, and there's just Kentucky Ghost Hunter, too. So if you want to go on Facebook and find those and find out what's going on with us, next week, same time, 9 p.m. Central Time, we'll meet you there. Until then, good night and have an awesome week.